0: Bob Shepard said three C's, uh, be clear, be concise, be correct. And those are three things that I take very much to heart.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media, disruption, innovation, broadcast, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito. I'm flying solo this week as my co-host Tom Richardson here at the beginning of August is off on a vacation somewhere in Southern California. Hope Tom is having a good time. Um, But today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit different, uh, which is really the business of media and storytelling in an audio form to a very large audience, sometimes in only one place. Uh, Our guest today is Colin Cosell. Um, Anyone who's been to City Field or Nassau Coliseum recently or any one of another number of venues even stony brook university at some point um, has heard colin's voice probably knows knows his name he is the second cosell we've had on our podcast uh, we had his cousin on greg a couple years ago um, comes from obviously a pedigree background but is really now as the co pa announcer of city field and the new york mets and several other places which we will talk about really kind of the voice of uh, what you hear and how you engage and how you go about your experience when you go to Citi Field. And as I said, we're doing this the end of August, you know, in a week where we lost the quintessential storyteller in the history of at least baseball, if not other sports, in Vince Scully. Um, you know, it's even more relevant today, and obviously baseball being where it is after the trading deadline and the Mets being an independent race, really timely. So Colin Cosell, welcome to The Cusp Show. Well,
0: thank you for having me, Joe. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad you got Greg in first. He's um, far smarter uh, and has a far more exciting uh, life than I do uh, being one of one of the great NFL minds out there as an analyst. So uh, good job on getting him first. Happy to, to follow in his footsteps here. And it's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Cool. So, Colin, um, before we get into how you prepare and what, you know, because I don't think anybody listening to this would know, Really, kind of what, especially on, on the level that you do, what a public address announcer does. Um, but how did you get here? And, and you know, obviously, I'd love you to touch a little bit on on your family background. Who, you know, our audience may be a little bit young, but I think they would still know the name. And I have I had some interesting run-ins with your grandfather in a positive way uh, when I was very, very young. So, so just kind of give us the path as to how you got.
0: Here. Um, I mean. the the, the Cliff's Notes version, because otherwise it gets uh, long and convoluted, uh, I was about five years old when I sat on my grandfather's lap for the first time and uh, listened to him do a, a sound check for ABC Radio. Um, and this was done out of his bedroom in his uh, summer home out in the Hamptons, out in West Hampton Beach. And uh, the ABC Radio, I guess he had earned his stripes at that point, had uh, set up a live line there so he could do his 60 seconds, speaking of everything, uh, right there from the comfort of his bedroom. Hearing that, it was you know uh warranted uh but uh I always saw this microphone the headphones there and had no idea what they were there for I thought they might have been been decoration I didn't know hmm. uh and then one morning my grandmother woke me up uh and you know invited me to come check it out and I that on uh, on papa's lap and threw on the headphones and did my first air check um with his producer his name was eddie last name's escaping me and then heard my voice come back at me and i was like okay i don't know what this witchcraft is but i love this microphone i love what i just did i love whatever it is papa's doing and i've got to do that um that set the wheels in motion the unfortunate thing being uh from age five up until college there're no real outlets for uh, kids to be on the radio or to be on TV or to uh, really play with a microphone outside of a uh, a little fisher price uh you know audio recorder or something along those lines my grandfather gave me one of his little mini tape re- uh tape recorders you remember the little oh, mini sure. audio cassettes from yeah. back in the day joe he had one of those he had a bunch of those and um, obviously he wasn't using them all so he gave one to me um i only had that one audio tape and i just kept messing around with it and recording uh, my own air checks my own radio shows my own commercials whatever um you know and for, for me that was l- like playing uh playing street hockey which i did as well but like you know other kids are out there playing games and stuff and i'm sitting there playing with a mini tape recorder fast forward through uh through high school and the like uh and for for me it was any i'm a ham uh i'll, I'll just put that out there i love an audience um and uh, a microphone was my first uh outlet with that uh, but as I mentioned, there's no broadcasting available. So the next best thing was theater. Uh, And I grew up in a very theater forward family. Um, Howard and and my grandmother, Emmy uh, both loved musical theater. You know, we were raised in it and all my, my siblings were doing shows as well. And it just so happened that I could sing. So it, it all kind of worked out. So that was my outlet for a while. Um, Fast forward to college, went to school for communications, the minor in drama studies um, started to realize exactly how big my grandfather was. Mind you, my grandfather passed when I was nearly 16 years old Uh, Mm. but still you don't really realize the, the, the enormity of, of his celebrity uh, at that time, because at that point, you know, his, his golden years were, were behind him. He was really big for, you know, for your students sake, he was really big in the late sixties, seventies. He really peaked, uh, into the early eighties. And then he left Monday night football, he left boxing uh, and all of that. And he was older at that point. So it all made sense. Um, but by the time I came to the realization of like how big he truly was, I was thoroughly intimidated and took a step back from the idea of wanting to go into sports broadcasting. So I found any other Avenue I could do. So I did some regional professional, uh, professional theater. I did stand-up comedy. Uh, I dabbled in radio for a little while. I was a DJ and anchor anchor reporter, um, and then uh, finally, in my late 20s, a friend of mine said, you know, it's time for you to get into this and and to get in sports broadcasting. And um, at that age, not very many people are willing to hire. Uh, they wanted to get a bunch of, you know, fresh young blood right out of the Newhouse School in Syracuse or from Fordham or what have you. So. Um, it was tough. It was an uphill battle for me. Um, you know, My last name would open doors, but then there, with it came a lot of high expectations. And for someone to be out of practice, you know, not many people want to take a chance on me. Luckily, someone did. I worked with a, a local network in the Tri-State area called MSG Varsity. Uh, they sure. really allowed me to uh, hone in my skills and broaden them as well. So I could be an anchor, a reporter, a sideline reporter, uh, play-by-play, color commentary, uh, producer, writer, all of these things. Um, and learned a, a lot in those five years with them. Uh, but then the network went under. And uh, so I I did whatever anyone else would do. Uh went for a survival job. So I ended up becoming a bartender and bar mm-hmm. manager in, in and around the New York area. That ended up being... Uh, serendipitous because one of the bars I was managing is the same place where I met a gentleman who had just started working for the Mets, who became a friend of mine, and uh, the woman who would become my wife. Uh, both came wow. from this one job in the bar. Uh, the bar is no longer in existence. My wife what and I are bar? very much. Married. What was the bar? It's called, uh, called Percy's, uh, oh. Percy's Tavern uh, down on uh, 13th and Avenue A. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that's no longer in existence. But my wife and I are uh, five years married now. Um, I'm in my fifth season with the New York Mets and uh, it all it all worked out. But um, it also, I was hosting trivia there and that kind of allowed me to hone my craft of interacting with crowds and what have you. So there was a lot of bits and pieces that kind of all came together eventually uh, by the time I was 38. And uh, luckily for having that friend with the Mets who said, hey, there's an opening the PA position. Give me a demo and I can put in the right hands and that's all I can do um, to, uh, a month later from that day, uh, getting the job at the Met. So it, you know, my career has been more of a question mark than a straight line. Um, but I got to the destination and, uh, things now in my forties are going really, really well. So hope I didn't put everyone to sleep with that story.
1: Nope. So, so two questions. Well, first of all, we buried the lead because Colin's grandfather, he mentioned at one point was the legendary Howard Cosell, um, which we kind of mentioned, but didn't really. The other question is, where did you, where did you go to college?
0: I went to SUNY. So I started up at uh, SUNY New Paltz for two
1: years. Oh, was- SUNY New Paltz.
0: Yeah. Yep. I uh, went to SUNY New Paltz for uh, two years and then uh, landed an internship in the city with Saturday Night Live and chose wow. to be closer to the city. Um, and so I became a commuter student growing up in Stanford, Connecticut. I went to uh, SUNY Purchase. They had a great do- a drama program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point, I'd already hit all my prereqs for uh, for my major. So. I became a commuter student and uh, commuted to the city with the internship, and um, and loved every minute of it. Actually, so yeah, I'm a product of SUNY.
1: Yeah my uh, my first year first year at the Knicks, which was the last year we were actually practiced at SUNY Purchase, which is probably the nicest Division three basketball court still to this day in the history of Division three basketball courts because the Garden built it for them. But anyway, I, I don't even know if um, they use it. So anymore. become the PA announcer and. Yeah. And somebody uses it to play pickup probably, but anyway. I hope so. Um, so take us through a day, like, like, let's say you're doing the Mets are playing the Braves tonight and game two of an important series, the last Friday of August, what's the day like? And then who do you, the whole thing, who do you report to? What time do you get there? How much freedom do you have over what you say? Because most people, everybody who's listening to this has been to some stadium or arena And sometimes they remember the distinctive voice who leads them through the door, whether it's Bob Shepard or Mike Bolshevsky in New York or, you know, some of the other legendary voices around around the country. But what's the day like, especially in the world today of multimedia?
0: Uh, so, in public address, um, I will prep for a series uh, ahead of the series by taking a look at the uh, 40-man roster for the opposing team coming in. Um, I will also be cognizant of any roster changes the Mets have made, although at this point, um, barring any trades or anything, you know, bringing in your your Vogel backs and uh, – um, the like you know i'm already familiar with the pronunciation because pronunciation is key uh bob shepherd said you know Mm -hmm. the three c's uh be clear be concise be correct um and those are three things that i take very much to heart now uh, being a a a fan of bob shepherd's and trying to emulate his career not not only that but his longevity You know, it's funny for the Mets, uh, Mets fans justifiably, you know, how much hatred they have towards the Yankees. You bring up Bob Shepard and that one's okay. So I can tell, uh, you know, Mets fans, hey, yeah, no, I want to Bob Shepard this job and make it last as long as possible, but clear, concise, correct. So I'll make sure that I get all the pronunciations correct. Uh, Major League Baseball ahead of each season, will send a prono chart for each team, Uh, all the players and the way uh, phonetically their names are supposed to be pronounced obviously things change injuries trades call-ups and what have you so it's up to me to be uh on top of that uh if there's any that even the phonetics don't match up i'll jump online i'll go to youtube make sure that the home and away broadcasters are saying it the same way that kind of thing so just researching the names is what i'll do ahead of it uh on game day i'll try to get there um no no less than like an hour and a half before first pitch, aiming for two hours. Um, Once I get in there, I clock in. The first thing I'll do is I'll go straight to my booth um, and I'll go through my scripts and uh, see if there's any wonky pronunciations for whoever's singing the anthem or whoever's throwing a ceremonial pitch or uh, whoever the veteran of the game may be or any special shout outs we have. I'll go through and make sure that A, it's grammatically correct. B, it sounds okay with me reading it and see uh, if there's any wonky pronunciations there. Um, I'll also write down what inning I'm going to be saying each of these things, or if it's in the pregame or what have you, I'll go through our game log of each and every individualized thing per inning highlight where i'm going to be so i'm aware of it if i want to run to the bathroom in between innings or something like that uh, and once that's all squared away and i'm comfortable with all of my scripts um then i just kind of bounce around you know say hi to my extremely talented production team um uh, they're all a lot of fun as well so get caught up with them see how everything's going in their their lives uh, maybe stroll around the ballpark. Just take it all in, you know, because it never gets old that sure. my voice fills up a major league baseball stadium. Like even when I drive by City Field in the dead of winter, it's like, wow, my voice fills up that ballpark. It's still, it will never get old. Um and just you know just taking the sights and sounds of the ballpark because i can and because i will never ever take it for granted mm. uh and then do what any other human being would do go straight for whatever food i'm in the mood for that day mm. uh go go to the colonel uh, the popcorn joint right on the the uh the 100 and, uh, i think it's section 128 um, you know, they have the best popcorn I've ever had in my life. I'm a big popcorn junkie. Uh, or grab a Pete Alonzo burger, or see what's going to be going on in the press cafe that night. Um, grab dinner, hang out, eat, get ready. Um, a couple of vocal exercises, drink my special elixir that I make a certain tea, honey, apple cider vinegar, and slippery elm root uh, concoction that I make. Um, and then just get ready to go make sure i'm in my booth 10 minutes before my first read should anything get tr- uh, changed around uh and then from there on in it's it's go time
1: um bigelow T. hopefully it's bigelow T. it's
0: not it's we, uh
1: we'll, we'll leave that behind then so. <laughs> i'm
0: sorry their sponsor of yours
1: no 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 they're a sponsor of I mean, the they're
0: that's Howie's. They're not. I'm not getting anything from them. That uh, that's okay. that's a Howie thing. No, uh, the BA booth is not sponsored by anyone, so we're safe. Uh, but it no, should be. I mean, listen. I actually, it's that's funny. You should, idea, actually, you should, it's funny you say that. I reached out to the the tea company. Am I allowed to say they're? Or name then. Yep. Okay. Uh simply simply organics is the name. And the uh the type of tea is called throat coat. And it's like, ugh, that's not, you know, not that it's it rhymes, I guess. So throat coat tea. Uh, and I reached out to them. I wanted, I said, listen, I love your tea. It works wonders for me. I work as an as a professional announcer. Uh, thanks for what you guys do. And that was it. Some guy got back to me ten minutes later. Was just like, so happy to hear you love our products So cool that you're using it in such a high-profile job. What's your address? We want to send you some stuff. And they sent me a care package with like all of their throat coat teas that I couldn't find in the supermarket, and all these lozenges as well. It was great. I'm like, all right. So yeah, keep sending me stuff. It's not a sponsorship deal, but it's it's free right. throat coat tea. But uh, but yeah, that's my magical elixir. Throat coat tea, manuka honey. Uh, very specific with that. It's uh, uh, a New Zealand uh, type of uh, honey. Very specific, a little expensive, delicious, amazing, and so good for you. Uh, slippery Elm Root, which is really good uh, as a, um, I mean, basically for coating your throat and as an anti-inflammatory. Uh, and then apple cider vinegar, uh, just a dash of that is also really good for the pipes, clearing stuff out. Um, but yeah, that's that's my magical elix- elixir uh, for every single game.
1: Very cool um you work for several teams you've worked for other teams different approaches probably in terms of how you engage crowd get people going what's it different let's say the new york Riptide, the national lacrosse league how is that preparation and that then that script and the way you're involved in the game different from what you do with the mets
0: Uh, everything um literally the only thing that's the same is uh, prepping the players names Um, and making sure I get the the prono right like that I take that with me into every booth I go into um, because my voice could crack I could stumble over a word or something but all of that is perfectly acceptable I mean not advisable but uh, they they accept it much more if I mispronounce a name so I carry that with me to the riptide other than that it is no holds barred and you asked about when it comes to the script how much of it I have to stay by by the with the Mets it's pretty much 99.8% all right off of the script. Um, and you know there there's a professionalism that has to come with that and a structure that comes with it uh for the new york riptide i get paid to antagonize the opposition i'm talking through the entire game i have no voice left by the end of it i'm getting the crowd amped uh i'm doing a little bit of play by play i'm doing some cheerleading i'll go into the crowd with a wireless mic start getting them involved like it is crazy. They basically want me to dip my toe over the line without stepping over the line. Obviously, I don't want to say anything incendiary or offensive to anyone. Um but then again, I don't either. I don't want to be canceled. Uh so I, you know, I'm I try to stay aware of that, but otherwise I I start ripping into the opposing team from the second they come on the the uh, the turf. Um so to that point, part of my prep for the Riptide is looking up Uh, fun facts about wherever the opposing team is from and just ripping on their cities, uh, ripping on them. um, And uh, you know, it, it's, well, I'm not the only one who does it like it's expected Mm. in the NLL that you're going to antagonize Uh, in Buffalo. The guy, the PA announcer up there started a fight. Like he literally instigated a fight right in the middle of the game Um, and it didn't involve him, which, you know, hats off to you, bud because you don't want to get your butt kicked by a lacrosse player um so i try to avoid that i try to make it a little uh a little more funny mm-hmm. um i'm all about levity again i have a background in stand-up comedy that's just kind of kind of where i live and i don't want to get into a fight um but i i'll i'll poke some fun you know i'll i'll try to see if i can irk someone a little bit and maybe take them out of the game a little bit i don't know it's it's chirping um uh, but yeah it, it is it's no holds barred it's non-stop um there's a lot of back and forth with me and DJ Razor, who is our all, ball, all power ballpark DJ for the Mets. Same for the Riptide as well. Uh, he also does New York, uh, New York Islanders. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot more work. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, the, the leash is off uh, with the Riptide. So it's very different.
1: Yeah, for someone who's never seen, I was shocked the, the times I've been to NLL games. And it is a constant talk. Well, everything is going on. The music never stops either, so it, there is no lull like in the NBA, where you know they can't play at certain times; they play throughout. So it's yeah. totally different, obviously. Um, but going back to the Mets, so do you have control, or is it? You said it's ninety-nine percent scripted. But when you look at other cities, more probably NBA and NHL than baseball, because baseball has its own kind of cadence. But do you? Do, do people come to you and say, you know? signature call you know or is it you want to be part of the fabric not kind of out in front despite that's probably part of your personality how do how do you balance that
0: um that's a great question because um for me as i said i'm, I'm a ham so uh trying to not be the the center of attention was something that you know you kind of have to get used to because in essence you're speaking to a microphone and addressing 20 30 45 fans but you're just a part of the sights and sounds. You're not the game mm-hmm. itself. And I'm a big proponent of that as well. Like when I'm watching a sporting event and a sideline reporter is on the bench talking to a head coach during an NHL playoff game, it drives me up a wall. I understand why mm-hmm. they're doing it, but you're not bigger than the game itself. Get out of the game itself. Um, mm-hmm. There's ample time to talk to them in between periods at the end of the game. That's what press conferences are for. Get off the bench. Uh, so for me, there's it's more about the synergy. Like, I know if Pete Alonso hit a home run at his last at bat, next time he comes up to bat, the crowd's going to be, you know, they're going to take it up a notch. So am I. Uh, mm. So it's all about modulation for me, um, for the home team uh, during the, you know, I'm front and center during starting lineups. You know, that's when it's my voice and City Vision showing the players' names and their stats and everything, and the crowd hearing and seeing that and reacting, and mm-hmm. that's where we have that synergy. That's my bread and butter. That's my time to shine. The rest of it is, I mean, you're essentially just telling the the everyone there what they already know. You know, right. like, they can look down in the field. They can look up on City Vision. They, they know who's coming up to bat, but to hear it in conjunction with the players' walk-up song of choice – there's that momentary synergy again, where they're going to react uh, to my voice. And um, yeah, it's, it's very, I think it's strict in baseball. Uh, I have to get the player's name announced by a certain time, um, you know, and I will give gusto for the Mets when they're up at bat and I will give monotone for the opposing team. They are the enemy. Um, But We'll also be aware of if it's a former Met when J.D. Davis returns next year with, you know, with the Padres or whoever he ends up with, uh, you know, we'll give him uh, oomph. I will announce him like he is a member of the team again because he gave us three good years. He was thoroughly entertaining. He had some great memes and gifts out there. Um, Mm. But uh, after that, that one at bat, he's the enemy. And, uh, and so you're always trying to be aware of that. Uh, You don't want to give too much gusto if the Mets are down 14-2. But if we're up, you know, uh, 10-7 in the eighth inning and the other team, you know, it's like inching back, you want to get the crowd involved. So you're just trying to pay attention to where we're at in the game, where the players stand, if it's their first ever at bat, if it's their first at bat with the team after a trade that's when you're going to give it, you know, specific gusto. And that's where I have carte blanche using my voice, but everything else is sticking pretty much to script.
1: Um, I'm assuming you've talked to other PA announcers in other cities. How different is New York?
0: Um, you know, that's, it's a great question uh, because some, some baseball PA announcers, they've got a voice of God, you know, it is that base, it booms, Um, You can tell by my voice, you know, it's like somewhere in the tenor range, it's a little more nasal, but I'm also not trying to be like, Pete Alonzo like make it a Mm -hmm. huge event Uh, for the guys that can do that. God bless them. I wish I could, you know, there's some Mm -hmm. PA announcers that I hear them and I'm like, I get vocal envy. Uh, And there are a bunch of us who are friends um, and we do listen to each other and we do support each other. There's a Facebook group dedicated to PA announcers. Um, Some of of them are by league. Some of them um, are by, you know, are you in the majors or what have you? but the one that I'm, I'm in and interact with the most, we have PA announcers from high school through college, uh, minor leagues all over the globe. Um, and it's, it's a great way to just kind of interact, see how everyone's growing and also network and bring other people into the fold. So, uh, we all listen to each other. We all support each other. We all learn from each other. Um, and we are aware of the fact that each city has a different style. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, You know, when I was hired for this job, my boss told me, he's like, it's going to take you some time to find your voice. And I almost took offense to that because I was like, dude, I've been talking to a microphone since I was five years old. I've got my voice. I get it. It took me two seasons, I'd say, before I really found my groove as a PA announcer. Um, And it was from learning from other players. Uh, Reed Saunders, or rather PA announcers. uh, Reed Saunders is the PA announcer for the Colorado Rockies. Mm -hmm. Taught me the most valuable lesson uh, I have learned from any other PA announcer that I've talked to, I said, when you announce the players' names, how how do you approach that? What's your approach? And he said, to be honest with you, I'll let the players' names dictate how I announce them. And the next player up to bat was DJ Lemayhu. And Reed has got a a good deep gravelly voice. He's got an awesome awesome voice. And DJ Lemayhu came up to bat, and he said the first baseman, D.J. LeMayhew. And it's just like, he let the name tell him how to announce it. And I just stood there like, my God, I've been doing this wrong the entire time. I've been treating it like a boxing match. Like I've been trying to Michael Buffer Mm -hmm. instead of trying to like let the names do their thing. So um, I've learned a lot from other PA announcers. Uh, I'd say between myself and Paul Olden, who's the PA announcer for the Yankees, we're friends as well. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're more structured. He's a little more level and corporate than I am with his announcing Mm -hmm. mine, you know, I'll modulate more. Um, but you know, that's what makes us all different and each stadium, uh, experience different.
1: Yeah. I don't know if people realize that Paul Olden was the play-by-play announcer for the Jets for a few years too. Um, and a great voice. I remember when Paul was first came to New York. Um, but, a uh, couple of other questions before we let you go. Uh, you touched on the five-year-old. Did you get advice growing up from your grandfather? And if you did, what was it like to be around Howard Cosell?
0: I, you know, it. I didn't really grasp again his his celebrity because we grew up. It was it was Joe. It was such a weird childhood because you know for like nine or ten months of the year i'm living in like a middle class kind of upbringing um no bells or whistles uh you know i ended up going to private school for high school but otherwise it was elementary school uh and middle was you know it was we were getting public education like there was nothing there were no frills and then during the summer you know it would spend the entire summer out at my grandfather's beach house in in the hamptons and like we were on the bayside, and it was this gorgeous house with a swimming pool and a tennis court all this stuff and all these amenities and it was like this like whoa this weird thing but on top of that you know there papa had visitors coming constantly and there were celebrities they were former athletes they were musicians they were actors it was it was and it was secondary it was second nature like you didn't really think much of it um because i also didn't really understand a lot of these you know like floyd patterson was coming to hang out uh and i i didn't see him in his prime yeah. um you know i it, it was it, it was just it was just kind of strange um And so I didn't really think to ask him career advice because I didn't know what that career entailed. I didn't know how he got there. I didn't know he was a lawyer first until I was older. You know, I didn't realize he ditched being a lawyer, a successful one at that when he was 38 years old. 38 years old is when I got my first public, you know, pre or big uh, pro announcing gig. That's when I joined the Mets. Um, You know, my grandfather's first big gig was, as a beat reporter for this brand new team in 1962 called the New York Mets the only parallel we have in our careers um you know but the rest of it was me just kind of watching and learning from him uh and his old tapes and they're they're all out there um but also you know taking the human aspect of him as well when he hosted Saturday night live uh he was such a ham and it was like it it blew my mind. it actually it was it almost uh it was almost embarrassing he did the um he did the sketch with uh, Martin Short uh, the Ed Grimley bit and he played his uncle and he came out there with the big pointy hair and everyone started cheering going nuts and laughing because here was Howard Cosell with the Ed Grimley hair And my grandfather stopped and just soaked it all in and acknowledged the crowd. He broke the fourth wall, Joe, and I was mortified. I was like, my God, you're as big of a ham as I am. For Mr. Calm, Cool, Collected, Awesome, Greatest Broadcaster of All Time, Howard Cosell. And there he was breaking that wall. And I was like, oh, my God. But... I also needed that you know that kind of level the playing field a little bit for me um so to answer your question no i never really got advice from him but i loved watching what he did and how he did it um and you know it there are aspects of it that i took with me but i also realized there's no way i was going to follow in those footsteps let alone fill those shoes so i might as well just be me and um you know the one thing i did take away from him was was 1977 World Series, Reggie Jackson, three home run game. And my mm-hmm. grandfather just loses his marbles. He, he just devolves from sports broadcaster to average sports fan in 0.2 seconds. And it's just like, whoa, how do you like that? What is going? Oh, my God. And I'm just like, that's what I love. And that is something I took with me as a sports broadcaster as well, losing my mind and not being Very afraid cool. to.
1: Um, one more question before we get to our final two. You touched about, talked about the fourth wall when you're sitting there and you have a little bit of a faux pas or you say something, do people turn around and look at you and try to find you? And what's your, how do you deal with mistakes?
0: I mean, I, I I just accept it. You know, Um, I just pray I don't get fired, but I, you know, I haven't had anything that has been so glaring except for um, there was one time, the one time I mispronounced a name uh, and it was um, Eric Rickard of the Baltimore Orioles At that time, it was Tuesday, June 5th, 2018, a day that will live in infamy, my third game with the Mets. It was an afternoon game, and um, ironically, a dear friend of mine was the PA announcer, got the job five years prior to me with the Baltimore Orioles. So I reached out to him, and I'm like, any pro, no help, and I misread the way he wrote Rickard, and I thought it was Ricard, like Jean-Luc Picard of Star Wars, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. I mispronounced it. My boss don't, I was in the other room. Don't know where he came from. Materialized out of nowhere. It's like, what'd you call him? It's like, Rickard. And he was just like, no, it's Rickard. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I reached out to my friend, Ryan. I was like, Ryan, I got this wrong. He's like, Oh, that's, that's on me. Whatever would never happen again. But people on Twitter were mm-hmm. still missing the old PA announcer, Alex yeah. Anthony, who had been there for 17 yeah. years. So I got eviscerated on Twitter. They're like, Oh sure. You hire a co-sell and the guy can't even get the, opposing team's name right bah um you hired the Mm. wrong co-sell whatever the case may be uh so never again with that um otherwise i've never mispronounced a name again but uh i did have i guess it was in 20 early 2021 um when fans were just coming back and we were at like 20 percent capacity or what have you uh, and i announced uh pete alonzo and my voice was a little tired my voice cracked on alonzo Um, and someone on Twitter was just like, yo, you all right, bro? Like someone direct messaged me. They're like, dude, heard your voice crack in the parking lot. You all right? And I'm like, going through purity just fine. Hope you, hope you had a perfect day of work every day you're there. Um, you know, but you just, you got to take it with a grain of salt, you know, like, it's, you're not going to be perfect every time. You can just learn from, okay, why did my voice crack? Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I do with Pete Alonso's name the way I announce it to make sure it doesn't happen again? Um, and, and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. Just learn from it, move on, hope no one else notices. And um, yeah, I mean, but- It's know, cool. You had a Bobby
1: uh, Brady moment. Uh, yeah, funny. exactly. So. Exactly. Hey, um. so last questions before we let you go. Um, how do you stay up to date with everything- that's going on, especially in a week like this with the trading deadline. Um, and then um, I'm sure you get approached by a number of young people or people who are career changing or trying to do this as a side hustle. So, how do you stay up to date? And then what? Um, do you do?
0: So, staying up to date, I, just like anyone else, I was watching the MLB tracker. I was uh, on Twitter, um, and I have the good good fortune of uh, receiving um, press release emails. Uh, ahead of them being released so I'll keep an eye on my uh, inbox my Mets inbox as well and see if anything has come through from Harold Kaufman Um, but yeah it's uh, it's not easy but at the end of the day all I really have to pay attention to are the Mets and any other teams coming into town uh, and I can do that on a a team-by-team basis now that you know um, you know, as the season progresses, I should say, you're pretty familiar with the team and you have an idea of what player may go where. I know that San Diego is not coming back into town. They were already here in uh, in the, the end of July. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have to worry about Juan Soto, uh, you know, being, being on the the Padres or anything like that, or JD Davis or what have you. So, um, it, it can now just be on a game by game basis, but of course I kept an eye on it. I wanted to see what the Mets were going to do or what they weren't going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it was crazy. It was awesome. So as a fan, I was sitting there watching, I'm like, my God, this is insane. Like, you know, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's literally it. And I already know what series I have in advance, Um, so I know that I've got the Cincinnati Reds and the LA Dodgers uh, coming into town the Dodgers didn't do much the Reds it's going to be a bunch of new kids because they kind of sold sold the the uh, the 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 farm there so um, yeah that that'll that's that's how I handled it um, just like anyone else um, with the exception Mm -hmm. of the insider uh, emails Um, but to your your follow-up question uh, yeah there there are A surprising amount of kids reach out to me um, that want to go into sports, you know, as a broadcaster, journalist, PA announcer. Um, And the best advice I can give is, you know, it's A, uh, be a good person. Always be nice to people, Uh, the team that you're working with, whether it's um, the high school sports or in the pros. uh, There are people that are around you that are making you sound and look better you always want to be in their good graces. Um, but also the people in the control room tend to be a lot of fun. Uh, your cameramen, your audio people, they uh, th- these are all really hardworking people who uh, got where they are through hard work and they tend to be a lot of fun as well. You're not just getting hired based on talent, you're getting hired based on personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one wants to hire some two-bit schmuck who's good at one thing. Uh, so the other thing I would recommend is being good at, being great at one or two things, but being good at several other things, you know, make yourself a Swiss army knife. If you're able to uh, edit video on days that you're not doing public address and they need someone to fill in, boom, you just got yourself another paycheck. Um, They might hire you full-time year round. I'm a seasonal employee for the Mets. Uh, You know, there's nothing I'm going to do for them uh, in the off season, except for, you know, record a couple promos here and there. Uh, But if got you know, if I had the creative uh, juices and ability to uh, put together a, a, a sizzle reel or a promo or something like that, who knows? I could be there year round. Um, fortunately, I've got a day job, and you know, like that's mm. that's all well and good, but that's the advice I give. Uh, make yourself mm. versatile and just be a good person. Never stop honing on your craft, never get complacent. And of course, follow the words of the great Bob Shepard, be clear, be concise, be correct
1: great way to end this. But more importantly, Colin, you'd mentioned Twitter, you're active on Twitter, how do people kind of follow you and, and kind of keep keep abreast of not just your career, but kind of all the other goings on that you have in, in the various things that you're doing?
0: Yeah, if you want um, really bad dad jokes and uh, nothing but positive outlooks on the New York Mets to counter all of the negativity that's flowing on social media, you can follow me at Cosell PA. Um When I got the the Mets job, I started that up, not realizing that some people might think I live in Pennsylvania, uh, but no, <laughs> that stands for public address. Uh, but yeah, at Cosell PA. Um, and, um, yeah, family friendly fun. And then the mm-hmm. occasional, you know, like, Hey, here's where you can find me or come check out the New York Riptide or, you know, this med series, who's yeah. going to, who's coming with me, uh, view from the booth kind of thing. So, um, yeah, if uh, you want to be, if you want to be bored with the occasional uh, dad joke and a uh, slew of positivity, I'm your man.
1: Bored is not a bad thing, especially, uh, in, in kind of the, the craziness of the world that we're in today. But, uh, Colin, this has been great. It's been amazing trying to give people an insight into what happens in that booth. And I think most of the people who are listening to this over the course of time will turn around and maybe either look up or look down to see whoever that person is and have a better understanding of the job, which is really what we wanted to do. So once again, Colin Cosell, the co-voice of PA Voice of the New York Mets. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Cusp Show. Uh, and you know we're looking forward to hopefully hearing your voice well, well into October, knock on wood this
0: year. I, I, into november please bring it on and to the fans that are there if you're sitting in the uh the three teen 300 uh like 315 316 section turn around wave say hi i always have my window open love talking with fans i'll give you a score sheet um you know and uh love to interact but uh, joe thanks thanks for having me on hope to see you around the ballpark and uh yeah, yeah let's go mets
1: Cool. Well, once again, uh, our guest today on The Cusp Show has been Colin Cosell, the PA announcer for the New York Mets, the New York Riptide, sometimes the Brooklyn Cyclones, and other places you'll hear his voice. Uh, I'm Joe Favorito sitting in for my co-host, Tom Richardson, and uh, Yash Agarwal, our producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you down the road.